Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Always good to see you guys. Always good to uh, be able to uh, be encouraged by sweet worship and to know that uh, he has a word for us. He has a word for everyone, not only sitting here, but those in the sound of my voice. And uh, what I always encourage is anytime I get to teach, I have to say, uh, as we're taking this in, look at it from a life application standpoint. Because the word says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the things that he did then, the things that he did for Ezekiel or whomever, in this case Ezekiel, he'll do for us. And there's some things that Ezekiel had to go through. And uh, there was just so much to learn. And there always is. So I encourage you, read the word. Read the word. There's, there's nothing better than that. And to get to know God's heart and try and, and, and be like that as much as you can. We can't. It's very difficult, I should say, for us to do all the things right all the time. But with God, all things are possible. So, Father, we uh, again uh, just thank you for the opportunity to be here. And thank you for allowing uh, this vessel to be used by you. And I just pray that all the words that are come from my mouth would be an encouragement to my sisters and brothers. So I, I thank them all uh, for coming out and I just thank you for uh, just giving me an opportunity to fellowship with them. Again, may you receive the glory of all that we do and say. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, tonight, uh, we're going to dig into Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And uh, this is, uh, I titled this, Ezekiel sent to feed Israel the word of God. And it's going to go back to something that we've talked about throughout Ezekiel uh, chapters 1 and 2. And uh, it, just, uh, it just shows the humanness of uh, Ezekiel, just as with any other character in the Bible. And there's just some things that, as I was studying that he just, the Lord just brought to my attention. And so many things that we take for granted. Uh, I was just sharing with one of the brothers about um, one of the things that, that I, to some of you it's not, nothing new, but the effect of silence. When the Lord is silent, there's a good reason for it. And we don't often think of that. And we will see here in this, these verses 1 through 15 where the Lord, not only that, the silence part, but he, he caused uh, Ezekiel to suffer. And we don't often think of that. You know, uh, as I said last time, we think that God only does these things that make us feel good. He only rewards us. He only blesses us in a positive manner. But there are things that we have to go through, and I mean literally have to, in order to really understand what he's doing because we often don't understand what he's doing and we misinterpret it. And so what is the Lord doing here? You know, uh, again, I just feel compelled to say anytime we pray for anything or anyone, it has to be his will. We pray for, we have a perceived outcome of what's going to happen here. And I've seen it really hurt a lot of people. Uh, self-inflicted because they pray thinking, okay, this is how God's going to answer this. I've been guilty of that myself. I look for him to repeat a pattern that he did a year ago. He did not. And I'm waiting. I'm sitting and waiting. God, do what you did the last time. And he says, no, I got something new for you. And he did. And I'm thankful. Uh, we won't go into that, but he... Uh, he just showed me that there's so many things that he knows about me that I don't know. And I'm going to use those things to encourage you. And you may see this as not encouragement, being discouraging. But in the end, with patience and long-suffering, 
I've learned to wait on him. And I'm learning to wait on him. Okay, let me clarify that. <laughs> That's very important because there's a distinct difference between the two. Oh, I learned that I can rely on the Lord. But when he's doing this, hey, Richard, I'm doing this new thing. Yeah, but. There's no yeah, but. You know, it's to allow him to do what he's going to do. He knows the outcome, and he knows what's best for all of us. So digging in. Verse 1. Moreover, Ezekiel 3, verse 1. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. Uh, first of all, son of man is a term used over 90 times by Ezekiel to uh, indicate his humanness. And what I mean is when we see things, we need to understand is that the natural person or is God working supernaturally through them? Uh, just thinking about uh, people that we know who went out to different states, different schools to pray. And how many of us would be willing to do that? And you ask yourself, am I doing this naturally? Am I doing this to, to gain a reward or to be seen by man? Or is, is the Lord directing this? And it's so important that we understand that. And God's messenger must first eat or internalize God's truth for himself, then preach it. You've got to internalize if, because whatever's in there is what's going to come out. So if you've got some things that are, don't glorify the Lord in there, they are going to come out, and you may not be able to time it just right. This may come out at a bad time. You're standing in front of uh, godly people, and you use blue language. Oh, excuse me, that slipped out, or pardon my French. No, it can't slip out if it didn't slip in. So we need to be conscious of that. And, and when, uh, when Ezekiel was asked to go and, and feed the people or eat or internalize God's truth for himself, then preach it. He had to really understand what that meant because he can get up there and he can start teaching from the flesh. And we can very easily. We can get up and we can start. This is, this is how I see things. Uh, mentioned the, the last time we were together, uh, what I had seen, I had seen a change in some of the people that I know. Uh, if I saw them, they were more inclined to tell me what they saw on social media than what the Word of God says. And to me, that, I found that to be very discouraging. And, and I realize, I shared with you guys before, I'm at a distinct disadvantage because I don't know all the stuff that's going on around me. And you know what? I'm okay with that. And the Lord has set it up where, Richard, if you need to know this, I'm going to have someone to share it with you. And that's what's been happening for years now. And, and I like that much better because it gives me a chance to be at peace with him. I'm not concerned about how many warships are on the seas. I'm not concerned about strange beings invading our planet. You know, I, the, those things I don't have to concern myself with. Uh, verse 2, so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. Um, Eat that scroll, and, and even as I'm saying now, I'm at this point, this very time, I'm eating the word of God. I've eaten, and I'm continuing to eat the word of God. And it's not to feed this physical body. It's to feed this spiritual body. And that's what I want from all of us. Every single person that, that hears this, that sees this, I want them to understand that it is so important that we have a, 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 a personal relationship. And I'm going to talk about that every single time I'm here. Because if there's one person who hasn't heard it, you may need to hear it. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and there's no, uh, you don't get it through osmosis. It just doesn't happen. You need to, and the word encourages us, study to show yourself approved. So you come, I come to church every Sunday and I listen to this person, and uh, that's all well and good. But when you start to read it for yourself, he'll show you something different. He'll show you something new. He'll show you something that he's got just for you. And that's what I like about his word. It's great. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll 
that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Taste and see that he is good. Uh, a couple Psalms. Uh, before I, Whatever God calls a servant to do, he gives that servant power to fulfill by God's spirit. And regardless, I talked about the, the, the people that went out and prayed. It has to be by God's spirit. If you're not God-filled, if you're not a godly person, if you want to have a heart for Jesus, if you don't have that personal relationship, you are not going to be at your best. You're not. There are some people who are going to stand in your face and oppose what you're doing or saying, and it's going to affect you. But when God is there, he's our shield. So you don't have to be concerned about being discouraged by the mob, those with the mob mentality. He will fulfill you will be fulfilled by God's spirit. Even though the message was judgment on Israel, the scroll was sweet because it was God's word. God's word is always sweet. And I'm going to give you two uh, verses, reference verses, scripture. And uh, if you choose to write them, fine. If not, just remember. Uh, Psalm 19.10 says, More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And it gives us a reference that we can relate to. Most of us, I, I dare to say all of us, has tasted honey. It is sweet. It's, it's the only food source that we know as humankind that lasts forever. Honey does not go bad. Real honey, pure honey does not go bad. And we can use it for so many things. It can be used to sweeten things. Uh, and, and that's why the Lord uses this as a reference. So something that we can understand. The other one is Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And uh, this verse just reminds me of something that I've, I've struggled with ever since uh, I was a, a much younger man. And it's, how does one taste and see that he is good, yet turn away from it. And some of the people uh, here in this room I've had this conversation with is something that I've never understood and I may not understand until I go home to be with the Lord. How, how, how does that happen? You know, just uh, you're walking with the Lord, you're praising him, you're giving him the glory, yet you decide one day that this isn't good enough for you. There is nothing better Nothing better than the word of the Lord. There's nothing better than having a relationship with him. And again, I'll, I'll wait. I'll continue to wait and see what he says. Lord, please, uh, would you give me uh, an answer? And uh, the human response is, well, maybe they weren't saved to begin with. Unfortunately, I can't look at someone and see who's saved and who isn't. Not even my, I can't even look in the mirror and make that determination. But it's just that the Lord is just so sweet, so sweet. And in this case, um, when he sent uh, Ezekiel out, it says God's word vindicated God in holiness, righteousness, glory, and faithfulness, in which Jeremiah also delighted. So he gave us a parallel account of, of what Jeremiah went through in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. It says, your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. And it just, just so reminds me of the, the, how important that is for each and every one of us to, to know the word, um, regardless of how you receive it. And we have to be so careful where we receive it, because we may read a version that does not, uh, does not glorify the Lord. And there are a lot of versions out there. And, and as I, I, I'm thinking about this, I just thought about a religious system that does not encourage you to read the word. To me, I don't understand why that is so, because it says study to show yourself approved. And it says that we need to read the word need, need. It's not a uh, be nice if you did. We need to read the word. So when I hear of, I've never been involved in it, of a religious system that does not encourage you to read the word, I, I, I struggle with that. Um, 
And I'm sure if I had an opportunity to talk with uh, the talking heads or the powers that be, they would try their best to explain to me why that is. Because they say, well, you're not going to understand it. I didn't understand this the first time I read it or the second, probably third and on and on and on. But the Holy Spirit came alongside and says, okay, I'll teach you. I'll teach you what this really means. I'll teach you how to share with the minister to someone my word. And that's what I get to do. And I want to be approved by the Lord. This is not what Richard thinks. This is not how Richard lives. But this is what the Lord says. And and I want to make sure that, again, as I pray, that the word is rightly divided. That means it's accurate. It's right in line with what God would want. It's right in line with God's heart. Um, Ezekiel experienced bitterness in this message of judgment confronting Judah's rebellion. The Apostle John had a similar bittersweet experience with the word of God in Revelation 10. Revelation 10 says, so I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. Okay, right away, I'm out. You know, I, don't, I don't want to eat anything that you know, makes my stomach bitter. There's some things sometimes I wish it would, so I wouldn't be uh, addicted to it. But it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And uh, it's, there's just so many things that, that, that are so many parallels and, and God to give you. And this is an example. I didn't understand what, what he meant when he told Ezekiel to eat this because it's going to be bitter. Why would you eat it if it's going to be bitter? But then again, through the Holy Spirit, it got a parallel through another uh, to Jeremiah, which helped me to explain it. Helped me and maybe you and, and there are other things that he has there. And that's one of the reasons we talked about this morning, why he repeats himself over and over again. And I'm so glad for that because there are some things and, and I hear them and I see them. And I don't understand, but I'm not always in a position to ask a question. It's just that when I get to fellowship with my fellow sisters and brothers, that I get a chance to say, what do you think of this? You know, uh, I just think uh, even tonight, I shared, uh, this morning rather, I shared a word that I was listening to someone teach, and they used the word extol, E-X-T-O-L. And I've never heard that word. I've heard exalt, and I thought, well, what's the difference? But as it turns out, and that's just one example of something simple simple and, and maybe insignificant to some of us that I learned, and it just taught me so much. And even in this message, I had heard the term vindication, but I want to know what it means in a scriptural context and to be cleared of all char- charges, as my brother said. And, and we're going to refer to that a little bit later on. But there's so many things that he wants to teach us. Are we willing to learn? And be careful, be careful, be careful, your source of information. Because um, it can be deceiving. You've heard it before that deception, the problem with deception is you don't know you're being deceived. And sometimes it's too late. And we say, why didn't I know now what I know then? Why didn't I know then what I know now? And then we realize that we've been deceived. Nothing new. It started in in Genesis. Deception. And we have to be so careful. Be careful your source of information. Be careful who you uh, start to to, to rely on for what you want to believe. And we just... It's just... It's so challenging. Even when I get to say this, sometimes I get a little tripped up because I just wonder how many people have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? And we've had so many experiences where we use the word assume, which is a really bad word in any context, that people knew Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Are you saved? 
what do you mean by that? That's an indicator that they may not be. We can't judge. Um, are you born again? Uh, I'm not really sure. So that's when you said, okay, you got to know. You got to know these things. You got to really understand what it means to be uh, a child of Christ, a ch child of the Lord. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had taken it, my stomach became bitter. That's another example that, uh, that, uh, that happened in Revelation. Verse 4, then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to a house of Israel. And there was no excuse. They could not use ignorance as an excuse for not knowing. They knew the word of God. We know the word of God. Yet, yet, we fall into areas of sin. And a lot of time it's something that we've, by all rights, should have grown out of, but it doesn't work that way. Sin has no, correct, uh, no direct correlation to age. It has no co direct uh, connection with uh, intelligence. It has no direct connection with who we know or who we don't know. It's all internal. All internal. So, and some of us have been good at faking it. We do all the right things. We're like the Pharisees, Sadducees. And we can do all the right things. But God knows. You can't fool him. And not just me, but some of us have tried you know, by saying, well, I know he's going to forgive me, so I might as well indulge. And it's, it's uh, I, this is something I just uh, recently became familiar with the term that, that's called uh, dietary suicide. And some of you, that, I know that means nothing to you. But it's just that there's some things, you know, you shouldn't eat that. Or you should eat this. And it's like, well, it tastes really good, so I'm going to go ahead on and do it. So you would never think of doing that with any other substance. With food, we just accept it. What if that were a, let's say, a drug? Would you still be susceptible to doing that even though you know it was destroying you? And fortunately for me personally, uh, someone else who was suffering with the same thing came alongside me. And they did encourage me, and they continue to encourage me. And I thank the Lord for that. And that was having the boldness to, to, to know uh, that it was okay. It was okay to know, for someone to know that, you know, some of you guys know I got issues, but that's not one of them that you knew about. Richard's committing dietary suicide. You know, what's going on with that? And then to be able to share that with someone who understood and there's so many other ways that that, that can be approached, you know, uh, with people who have other issues, uh, drinking, smoking. Uh, there's, a, there's a variety of things that we could delve into. But I would have never thought that would be one of the things that, that, that would be challenging me. You know, and, and by reading his word, it encouraged me to think of it as a temple. And what he tells us about taking care of the temple. And he says, uh, and you've got these acquaintances, I won't dare call them friends, that says, well, you're going to die something anyway, so you might as well be happy. That's a hogwash, friends. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. And it, it didn't take me long to just learn that be careful who you share with, regardless of what it is, because there are some people who uh, are going to be, uh, they may think they're doing the right thing. Well, just... It takes it back to scripture. Uh, <laughs> eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And yeah, we are, but again, uh, the Lord knows what he wants from us. He knows what to expect from us. So we have to be conscious of the fact that he's working. Five, for you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech. I read this already, but I want to read it again. Out of hard language and to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely has I, had I sent you to them, they would not have listened to you. 
But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they would not listen to me. For all the house of Israel is impudent and hard hearted. And that word impudent in this context means marked by offensive boldness. Offensive boldness. Yeah, I'm bold and I'm proud of it. Not showing due respect to another person. The definition not modest or immodest is now obsolete. How can that be? Anything goes. Whatever makes you happy. So to be immodest, impudent, impudent, uh, marked by offensive dole is not showing the respect for another person. The definition not modest or immodest is now obsolete. So we don't like this word, so we're just going to take it out of the... Uh, out of the, the information source. And we're seeing more and more of that happening today where the powers that be, the talking heads are just putting stuff in front of us and saying, you will obey. We have ways of making you cave in. And they will. They'll keep pounding. They'll, they'll cause us to have to compromise. And we don't want to do that. None of us want to do that. We don't want to compromise God's word. We don't want to compromise God's uh, purpose for our lives. We don't want to compromise uh, being unfaithful, uh, disrespecting another person. And just because the world says the, this word is now obsolete, just because the world is saying now you are this hate speech because you speak the truth about something that we don't agree with. They're determining that, and we can ill allow that to happen. We cannot, and when, when I was praying earlier, the song, there's joy in the house of the Lord, and we will not be silent. We've done it enough. We've already caved in, and uh, if we continue to do that, it's going to become an expectation now. You know, um, And you will notice that the things that are used to control us will never go away. They may go a little bit uh, underground for a while, and then there it is again, it's back. It never went away because we learn that you, we, will allow them to control us through mandates. Mandate is not a law, my friends. Mandate is something that a man is determining that we should believe. And if we allow it to go on, we've already seen the results of that. Again, this is, this is something that we have to decide for ourselves. This is something that we need to be prayerful about. Should I, should I tag along? Should I cave in? And that's between you and the Lord, and he'll let you know. Ezekiel 2.7 says, You shall speak my word to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. And rebellious, showing a desire to resist authority, control, or convention. Rebellious. Uh, think about, when I think about the prodigal sons and daughters, I think about the prodigals or the rebellious children in the home. And some of these kids are not in their teens. Some of these kids are in their late 30s, early 40s that are being rebellious, yet it's being accepted. The child, this rebellious child, this rebellious spirit is basically controlling your home. That's pretty sad. But that's what we've come to. And those are the things that we're beginning to accept. And we should not. We cannot. We need to stand up for what we believe in. And that's why you, we need to read the word of God so we can say, what would God do? What would God do in a situation like this? And, and we see example of every sort, no matter what you're confronted with, no matter who you're confronted by, he's given us an example in his word. So when you say, I'm, I'm not really sure how to handle this, read the word. When it says, uh, well, my situation is very unique, read Ecclesiastes. When it says that there's nobody in the Bible that has the same issues that I do, read the word. Read Daniel. Read Esther. 
Read Ruth. Read, read the book of John. It's all there, my friends, regardless of what it is. Whatever you're going through, he has a solution. He has a plan for it. But, but, you got to be prayerful. What's this deal with prayer? Why, why is that always uh, an issue? Simply because our Father wants to talk to us. Our Father wants us to talk with him. And when we don't pray, then that means maybe we haven't humbled ourselves enough to know that we must be humble in order for our prayers to be effective. Have you humbled yourself? Are you praying? What are you praying for? What are you praying about? When you analyze your prayer, does it appear to be about stuff and things? Do you ever get to the point where you say, I prayed about everything that I know, I'm done. I'm prayed out. No such thing as that. There's always something or someone to pray about. Or to, and there's always, so, always someone to pray with. We need to seek those opportunities for fellowship. And, and I, I got to say this. I was just so encouraged uh, last week about the, 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 the people that ride on two wheels that they got together and just had some great, great, great fellowship. And those are the things that bless my heart because I really believe in fellowship. And I would say almost everything I do is centered around. There's some times when, you know, I'm solitaire, but these are the kind of things that I don't talk much about it, you know, because I don't want you guys thinking I'm soft or anything, you know. But it's just uh, things that like that just so encourage me so much when I could see brothers and sisters get together and perform a task to get something done, it just blesses my heart. When I see uh, some, some real good fellowship with, uh, you know, I say among the brothers, and they're sharing the things about the Lord, what the Lord is doing in their lives. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so great, so absolutely wonderful. And, and I know that if you want to really know how we should direct ourselves, read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. Oh, this is how the church should be. This is how we should be towards one another. Oh, every day? I don't know if I could put up with some of these guys every day. These guys are a load. You know. But read the book of Acts, and it, it'll be so encouraging. And when I say that, I, I, I'm not limited to that, but these are just things that the Lord has shown me, uh, and there's just so much more, so many books that you've got to read uh, concerning that and how they directed themselves, how they uh, you know, did what they had to do, uh, what, they, what the Lord wanted them to do, and not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the gospel. Be bold, bold as lions. And... When I talk about fellowship, I think about just in the body. You know, just uh, again, this is uh, controversial to some. But if you see a new face, greet them. Greet them. It doesn't have to be a holy kiss. It can be, you know, good morning, how are you? You know, God bless you, whatever. And, and, and those are the kind of things that if you, when you read the book of Acts, you will be encouraged to know that. It didn't require a great deal of anything on their part, but we've gotten to the point today where we say, I don't have time. Don't know what that means. I struggle with that statement. I don't have time. So what does that mean to you when you say you don't have time? Does that mean that the Lord has given you less than 24 hours a day? Or has something else Change your priorities. Ezekiel could have said very easily, well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I just don't want to go into these people knowing that they don't want to hear from me, they don't want to hear from you. I'm just going to do a Jonah. How'd that work out? It didn't work out really well, but that's our attitude. We have to know that the Lord has a calling on our lives. And again, you are uniquely and wonderfully made, and you don't necessarily desire to approach this the way I would. 
I love fellowship. There's some people that says, you know, my time is my own. And that's how they try to encourage me. Richard, you're retired, man. Forget all this hanging out and doing stuff. Just go home and just chill out. Brings me back to dietary suicide. You know, just uh, having time on my hand. And so I feel an obligation to check the refrigerator every 15 minutes and 37 seconds. Because just in case I go there and somebody's put something in there that I like that I, I missed. So I feel an obligation to do this. So that's just one example of what happens when I take advantage of this retirement thing. For me, some of you, it's not an issue at all. You can eat properly. You can eat uh, less constantly. And uh, it's, it's, just, it's just such a great thing to know that the Lord has even given us scripture concerning that. And that's why you read the whole word, read the, read the whole book and as many times as you can. You know, you, well, I read it once. I don't need to read it anymore. Not true. And that's the thing. It's a living word. It's evergreen. And so just continue to read it and read it and read it. And as we talked about here in Ezekiel, eat it. Eat that scroll. And for those who may not remember, but the sin was so great at that time. Typically, they just write on one side of the scroll. But in this case, they wrote on both sides. And as I was reading that, I was thinking, uh, I wonder if Sodom and Gomorrah was reading this scroll, looking for new ideas. Maybe there is something that we haven't done yet. And that gave me an opportunity, but there was so much sin in the land. And that's why I said, life application. There's a lot of sin in our land. A lot of sin. But it has to be. It has to be. This country, and, and uh, again, has to be brought low in order for God's will to be accomplished. So it has to be. And I just pray that we all understand what that means. So when we see these things happening that don't seem to be positive, to God be the glory. And it's difficult to do that in the natural but God's doing something. And all these things that he's showing us is for a reason. And when he's calling you, who shall we send? Who will go for us? Be the first one to say, Lord, I'll go and pray at the universities. Lord, I go to the nursing home and teach Bible study. Lord, I will gather with uh, people who have other interests but the core of our interest is you. Love the Lord your God. And when we do that, we'll realize that life is so much sweeter. That's where, you know, he makes a reference to the honeycomb and, and, and we can really, really relate to that. But it's a challenge. Can you continue to stand when the things are whirling around you? Can you continue to stand when you're caught in a, a, a religious system that's beating you down? We tell you what to think. We tell you how to speak. We tell you where to go. Can you stand when those things are going on around you? These are the questions that you have to ask yourself because nobody else can make that determination for you. Are you praying about where the Lord has you right here, right now? Some of you are still not sure. Lord, what do you have for me? Well, he didn't answer, so that must mean he doesn't know. God knows all. Well, God, uh, I, I want to do these things. So what are you saying? I want you to use my strengths. Don't count on it. He will not use our strengths. He will use our weakness. So you can't say, well, this is, look at that, that's what I did. You can't say that because he uses us in our weakness so we don't have the strength to do all these wonderful things. We, we, can't, we can't boast in anything. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ.
his death and resurrection. And that's where he wants us. That's exactly where he wants us. Now we're getting somewhere now. Because you're allowing me to receive the glory of all that you do and say. That's where we want to be. And I just, I just pray for all of us because there's some people, and again, maybe uh, unnecessarily, but I, I'm concerned about. I see the, I see the, I hear the talk, but I don't see the walk. And not that they have to prove anything to me, but this is something that the Lord has taught me. You can't be a judge, but you sure can be a fruit inspector. And I live by that. And I try my best to suppress it because I certainly don't want to misjudge anybody. But I, I see these Christians and they make me challenge what that word really means to them. A Christian conducts himself in a godly manner. A Christian conducts himself according to what the word says. A Christian prays without ceasing. A, a Christian honors the, the, the two commandments that he's narrowed it down to for us. Love the Lord your God and love thy neighbor. A Christian does these things. And it's not a labor. A Christian does this because that's what his heart dictates. That's what a true Christian does. So when I say issues of the heart, I have to add the word pure. There's a difference. Because my heart will allow me to do things that may not honor God. But a pure heart would not. A pure heart is godly focused. A pure heart is godly centered. And so when I, when I use those words, especially around my sisters and brothers, I, I'm very, very, very cautious. I'm very cautious of, of giving advice when it's not solicited. Very careful. And, and I, it's just something I wish we could all learn, but some people, that's what they do. Uh, even to the point of saying, hey, brother, I got this advice that I don't use, so I want to give it to you. Wait a minute. Now, if you don't use it, then it must not be valid. But there are some who will do that. If I were you, I would say, get out of here, you scum. You know, and they won't use the same advice. They'll tell you what to do with your kids and your grandkids or what not to do. If I were you, I wouldn't take them to lunch. Let them buy their own. All righty. Okay. Nice talking to you. See you. Yeah. Yep. Here's, here's your jacket. What's your hurry? You know, so. But moving on. Another word that, that, that came out here was the word stubborn uh, in this context. Having a showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. Well, brother, I, I, you know, I'm going to pray for you that you know, you'll be able to serve the Lord the way he wants you to. Well, I don't want to. But I'm giving you good, uh, good argument or reasons to do so. I don't want to. Been there. The people of Israel could not plead ignorance. They knew the importance of their reasonable service. What is your reasonable service? Individually, what is your reasonable service? This is not just a rhetorical, just something I want you to think about. What is your reasonable service to the Lord? Has he called you to do something and you're kicking against the goad? Been there, done that, or been there doing that, kicking against the gold. John 15, 20 says, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. A servant is not greater than his master. And when they are raging against what we think is us, they're raging against Christ. I will not have this man to rule over me. It's been done before. It's, been doing, it's, been, it's being done now. And it will be at the end where they 
hiding in the clefts of the rocks, raging against this. How, do, how does that work? You're outnumbered. It's one-on-one. So how do you win? How do you win? How do you rage against the Lord in that sense? It's just senseless. Just like they think we're speaking foolishness, they can't perceive that they're doing the same thing. That's just that fleshly mindset. Verse 8. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. And in what God commands when he says, do not be afraid, God gives sufficiency to do by saying, I have made. So God will enable Ezekiel to live up to his name, which means strengthened by God. Strengthened by God. So we can adapt that name. Strengthened by God. And live, live accordingly. Because he will do that. No matter what it is that we're struggling with. We got X number of people in the room. And, and there's X and a half times a number of issues in this room as well. We're struggling. And nobody's out of the woods, so to speak. We all got issues that we're dealing with. Uh, either coming out of, going into, or... In already into like Adam verse 9 like adamant stone harder than flint I have made your forehead do not be afraid of them uh, nor be dismayed at their looks though they are a rebellious house do not be afraid do not be afraid do not fear but why does he keep saying that because he knows we're going to be afraid he knows that. He knows that we're going to be so, 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 we're going to be confronted with the enemy, the enemy of our soul. He knows that. Do not be afraid. Do you trust me? I got you covered. Do not be afraid. And it is sad to observe that the exile and affliction did not make the Jews more responsive to God. Is that really news today? No matter what the preacher, pastor, deacon, no matter what they say. It doesn't make us any less responsive or any more responsive to what God is calling us to. We choose to believe what we want to believe, even to the, the, the point of damnation. God gave Ezekiel a hardness to surpass the people and sustain his ministry as prophets to the exile, as prophets to the exiles. And in, in this case, uh, we may refer to that as having a thick skin from a fleshly, a worldly standpoint. I need to develop a thicker skin because the, these people at my church, you know, they're throwing darts, especially at church. And that's why we need to be careful that we don't allow that to discourage us from honoring the Lord in everything. And we can rise above this. We just have to be prayerful. Lord, give me a hardness to surpass the people and sustain his ministry as prophet to the exiles. And there are exiles among us. Don't kid yourself, my friends. Anybody can go to church. Anybody. Every brother ain't a brother. Every sister ain't a sister, mister. We have to be careful that we don't get drawn into that. Verse 10. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. Now, what we heard this morning was a little bit different. Uh, and again, Hear with your ears, but we need to add to that. Hear with your heart. Big difference. Big difference. I can hear, but a lot of time it doesn't make the connection from here to here or from here to here. Listen with your heart. <laughs> Eleven, and I go... I'm sorry, and go get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them this was the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. As a, as a teacher, as a preacher, 
We have to learn this. They're not going to always receive. And, and a wise man said, I, I, I repeat this. If they're learning, you're teaching. If they're not, you're preaching. And it's so true. The, the more I think about that, the more I really appreciate just hearing those words. Um, as a former school teacher, I understand that even more. What that really means. You know, you're, you're teaching uh, in class and Johnny's sitting in the back looking at his brand new watch. Or Mary's, you know, scribbling in her, her notebook. Are you teaching or preaching? And that depends on the individuals that are there. Like now. Like now, I, I might have said something that somebody has already taken in. I don't know. That's not my concern. The Lord says, teach the word. Maybe they're here, maybe they won't. Thus said the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Verse 12, then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. And I also heard the noise of the wings of the flying creatures that touch one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and a great thunderous noise. Verse 14. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. That's the most important part. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said that. I have not found that to be an issue yet. Not yet. And I learned, as the word says, he can't lie. He can't, I will be with you always. And he is with you always. There are times we don't feel it. And it's not about our feelings. It's not about social, emotional. It's about having a personal relationship so you understand his heart in everything. You understand what he's doing. Not at all times, but if it be his will, he will reveal that to you and let you know. This is why I did this. But Lord, why am I going out a street ministering, street witnessing when it's chaos? Just do what I ask you. And the truth will be revealed. I had no idea that I would have an impact on that person. You can't know. Be prayerful. Uh, this, um, the, this, this idea of the prophet being elevated. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I, was in, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And that, that phrase, there's uh, two reference scriptures that I, I, I want to share and both from Ezekiel. Uh, the first one is Ezekiel 8.3. He stretched out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair and the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the image uh, of jealousy was, which provoked to jealousy. I lift you up. I will show you some things that you're not going to like, but it's for your own good. Lord, I, I, I don't understand, you know how this is going to teach me anything. I don't, I don't want to, I don't understand how this is going to benefit me. Me. The me monster with the dreaded eye disease. How's this going to benefit me? And he can crush you easily by saying, you know what, it's not about you. Ouch, babe. You know, and he will do that. The next one is Ezekiel 11. 1. Then the spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward. And there at the door of the gate were 25 men, among whom I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azar, and Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. He had to lift me up to see this. 
in and of myself, I would have never desired to see this. I would have never desired to see these princes. I would have never desired to even be lifted up. I'm doing fine just where I am, Lord. Thank you anyways. But he says, you've got to see this. And, and there's, there's things that I can share, but not at this time, about how he's lifted me personally about some things. You've got to see this. You can't see this from your vantage point. I need to lift you up. I need to bring you out of your, your created world and put you in touch with other things that are going to cause you to grow. And he did. And I'm thankful. I wasn't real pleased because it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy making that change, but it worked out. Verse 15. Then I came to the captains of Tel Aviv who dwelt in the river Chabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. Tel Aviv was the main city uh, for the Jewish captives. They may have included some of the ten tribes taken long before in the conquering of the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 B.C. And the second king, 17.6, may indicate Habro is the same river as Cherbar. And the reason that this was so important uh, in this context is because it was one of the main... Uh, it was very important to the city because it was a major canal off of the, the Euphrates River south of Babylon. And the, the reason that that is is because this is how a lot of people live. This is how they made their living, you know, whether it be fishing or boating or whatever. And that's why this was important to them. In, in this Second Kings 17.6, in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Isariah, took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the river Habar, the river of Gazan and the cities of the Medes. And Ezekiel sat with, he sat with the Sauron people, and this is the suffering part. Ezekiel sat with the Sauron people for seven days. And this was a usual period for manifestation of the deep grief. He identified with them in their suffering while trying to win their trust when he spoke God's word. Not easy. Not easy at all. You're going to suffer. You mean I got to suffer to teach God's word? That should always be a blessing. Uh, ideally, yes. It's, it's a, a feeling that we get from the core of our hearts about being able to share his word. But everyone's not going to receive it, and that's going to rip you apart if you allow it. Absolutely going to rip you apart. So uh, one more verse, and then we'll... Uh, Christian, if you want to come up and we'll just do uh, one more song uh, and just come up and take the elements and we'll take it together, please. Uh, last one. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed is the Lord who daily loads up with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. He, he daily loaded Ezekiel with benefits. He daily uh, uh, loaded Every person that we know with benefits, again, what he did then, he will do now. He will load you with benefits. He has loaded you with benefits. You woke up this morning with new mercies. That's a benefit. You've experienced mercy today. That's benefit. You mentioned grace today. That's a benefit. You've witnessed God's goodness today. That's a benefit. And he will daily load you with these benefits. Daily. There's not one day that, oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot to uh, sprinkle new mercies on his pillow. I forgot to fill his heart with, my, my, uh, with the fruit of the Spirit today. Not happening. He does not forget. So he's got you covered every single day. He's giving you these benefits every single day. His mercies are new every single day. So, always be mindful of giving him the glory for it. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can be. There's no that, no, no, nowhere that we can go without him. Where could I go from his presence? I got nothing. Where can I go? Read it. Father, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us as we go, uh, we prepare for uh, communion, Father. I pray that uh, our brothers and our sisters would understand what this really means, Father. 
It's not, uh, as some religious system teaches, not the physical body. It's symbols, symbols of what you've done for us, Father. And your word says, do this in remembrance of me. And it's so difficult to comprehend that someone could forget you. How do you know? How do you taste that he is so sweet and then back away or turn away? Father, I just anticipate uh, when we see you in glory, Father, that we get a chance to really have a better understanding of that. And you're going to make it so simple, so easy to understand. It's just that understanding the heart of man. I know what it says in Jeremiah. But, but it's so difficult to understand how we can be deceitfully wicked. So I thank you now for what you've done. And, and we look forward to much, much more in the name of Jesus. Thank you. How appropriate that we would end with that song. Uh, because I can feel confident making a general statement that we've all obtained crisp, uh, crimson stains over the, the years, the days, the weeks, the month. And for those, I just praise him for those who understand what it's like to be washed of those crimson stains. And we've had some, some uh, lean years. We had some dry years. We had some bad days. But I challenge you to look and count. And you will, once you do the math, you will figure out that your good days outnumber your bad days. Regardless of who you are, where you've been, where you're going. He's washed us white as snow. And if there's anyone here tonight who does not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, I pray that tonight will be the night they will come running and say, what must I do to be saved? In those days, Jesus called his peeps around and said, okay, we're going to do communion. This bread represents my body. This juice represents my blood. And to know by reading his word what these elements symbolize. If you're not truly saved, if you're not truly born again, you may continue to believe that this represents his physical body. It does not. These are symbolic. How do you know him and yet turn away? But he knew it. He knew it was going to be that way. So that's he said, do this in remembrance of me. So what are you saying? You think we're going to forget you? Son, some will. Son of man, some will. Some will forget me. And I remind you of my word that these are the days that, that men are going to turn away. If you're not tickling my ears, then I'm out of here. I don't want to hear about the fact that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I especially don't want to hear the fact that I'm a sinner. But I want you to take this and use it as, as encouragement. And as you take this, it will go down to, into our very soul, our very body, and it will honor the Lord, provided you're doing it with a pure heart. So let's take the bread. I want you to understand the sacrifice that I've made for you and to really understand the true meaning of what this is or what it should be to you. If you're approaching this with a pure heart, you will know that as long as we're doing this, it's an indication that we will never forget you. We won't forget you. But we're okay for you to continue to remind us. And before we take this, I just want to say Communion does not necessarily have to be done in, in, in these walls. It's okay to have communion 
with your brothers, your sisters, your family, your friends, your acquaintances, co-workers, if they're doing it with a pure heart anywhere, he doesn't stipulate that it has to be in this, this venue. So if you desire, have communion with your family at home at the dinner table. It's perfectly fine. Do this as often as you can. Let's take the juice. And Lord, I just pray um, that there will be none who, here who have forgotten or who will forget. I pray that we would always remember you, Father. How can we forget the one who gives us our very breath? How can we forget the one who's given us hearts, hearts to love him? How can we forget those around us who are struggling, those are the ones around us who are suffering? And Father, we say, uh, even Ezekiel, even Jeremiah, even Daniel, and so many others, there's so many around us, Father, who are suffering today, and I pray that our hearts will be be bent towards them, Father, to encourage them in the word of God. I'm so thankful that you've given us that heart, Father, and I pray that you would just overfill us, Father, so when it spells out, we can just give it to others. So have your way in our lives, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.